We are wrapping up a series called The Shocking Statements of Jesus, and um, we, I don't have any slides this week. I just want you to really to engage in, in where we're going with this today. Um, take notes as you will, you know, on, on your uh, programs there, but uh, we, we, are, we are wrapping this up, and some of the things we talked about, you know, they, they may have been shocking, and then on the flip side of the coin, they may have been just some things that we say, well, it's not too shocking, but I really wish you hadn't said that. Uh, for instance, uh, we started off uh, talking about love your life or lose your life and you will find it. And, and, and that's something that, that I think can be difficult to grab a hold of, to center ourselves around because, um, frankly, it's much easier to pursue my desires. It's, frankly, much easier to pursue the dreams that I have for my life. But the, but the issue is, a lot of times, the things that I want to pursue doesn't really, doesn't really produce what uh, significance and what, the happiness that I'm looking for. And Jesus says, you know, if you really want to find your life, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it to me. The second thing we talked about is definitely not, well, I don't know if you would find it shocking, but I wish he would have never said this one, love your enemies. How many out there says, man, I just love this one. I can really get my life behind this one. That's a hard one, isn't it? Love your enemies. He's saying, take your pride, take your hurt, take all that stuff that somebody's done to you, and instead of retaliating uh, and getting even with that person, pray for them. Now, is that easy for anybody out there? I mean, this is a tough one. This is the one, you know, I can resonate more with the old one, you know, the old school one that says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Now, I can get behind that one, right? If you hurt me, let me hurt you back because, because you know, you need to feel the same hurt and pain that I felt, right? And I bet you if every single one of us was honest in here, we would say that one's much easier, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And, you know, and, and a lot of times we even look at the laws of our lands and things like that, and we say, absolutely, law, you know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But Jesus says, you've heard of this one, now I'm saying this. Love your enemies. And it's like, wow, that's one I wish you really would have just omitted from that. And so um, that was one that we could probably say, I wish you'd never said that. The next one was gouge your eye out if it makes you sin. And that's where we talked about hyperboles. Did Jesus literally mean that? Did he literally mean to gouge your eyes out, you know, if the, an eye out if it's going to cause you to sin, or cut your hand off if it's going to cause you to sin? And, and the issue was, I think he was use, you know, uh, using statements such as this to get your attention to say, you know what, this is how serious that, we, that, that I look at it. This is how serious that God looks at sin. And because this is the kind of stuff that, that breaks fellowship, this is the kind of stuff that, that really hinders you from becoming the person I've created you to be, if it's going to be in there, gouge it out. Get rid of it. Don't let something like that stand in the way of your fellowship with God the Father. The next one he talked about is this. If you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. Now, I don't know about you, but that's hard to get behind theologically. If you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you. And in fact, we read that from the prayer that he taught us, right? The prayer that says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As we forgive our debtors. Forgive my debt. God, the debts that I have, the, the, the wrongs that I've done, would you please forgive those from me as I forgive others? Now, I don't know about you, but that's, that's a tough one too. That's a real tough one because I think what he's saying here is this. There's a correlation right here. If you can't forgive other people within your life, if you can't forgive some of the people that's hurt you, if you can't forgive your enemies, how can you expect to receive the forgiveness from God? That's his words. Those aren't my words. And I, that doesn't sit well with me. In fact, later on, after, after he teaches us how to pray the Lord's Prayer, as it's often called, after that, he makes that statement that, says, that, that basically says that your forgiveness is, hinges upon the forgiveness that you have for other mankind. That's, that's disturbing. That's very disturbing. It's very challenging. 
Uh, the next one was this, I'm the only way. And that one we talked about the exclusivity of Christianity, the exclusivity of Jesus' words, where Jesus said, I am, where he said, I am God, where he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. That's a very exclusive statement. Some of us could say, well, that's a very um, narrow-minded statement. You know, that's what we hear about Christianity. We, we discovered within that, though, there's a lot of other religions that have just this amount of the same exclusiveness to them as, as well. But Jesus says, you know, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. Whoa, hang on a second, Jesus. Wait a minute. Hang on. That's a pretty shocking statement, Jesus. Jesus, what happens to the people that are in those tribes in South America that may never, ever, ever hear of you. What do you do with those people, Jesus? And so we start processing that. We start thinking about that. What happens to the souls that are unevangelized, that never hear of you? Whereas Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Shocking? A little bit shocking. Wish he hadn't said it. Wish he hadn't have. How about this one? Uh, uh, last week we talked about this, making disciples, making that our life mission as you are going. Not, you know, uh, not uh, go make disciples. I was like, okay, there's going to be a point where I need to go. But Jesus is literally saying this, as you are going, as you are about your daily life, as you're about your work life, as you go on your daily, as your, on your daily life, uh, things that you do, work, edu- you know, school, whatever it may be, as you're going, Make disciples, teach people, share about the great love. And we talked about in that where we said, you know what? The things that we talk about is we don't have to be an attorney for him. We don't have to defend him. We don't have to be a salesperson. We don't have to, to have this elaborate, uh, elaborate um, sales pitch. We don't even have to, uh, we don't even have to um, be a theologian and have our lives perfectly uh, perfect before we can share what God has done in our lives. That's essentially what it is where we share to people, hey, look, this is where I've been broken. This is where I've been struggling. This is where God came in and released me from the bondage of the enemy. This is where God has taken my addictions. This is where God has taken my brokenness and has brought healing within my life. And I just want to share with you what Jesus has done in my life. That's what it means to go and make disciples, where you're sharing the good news. The good news is that you don't have to, you don't have to deal with some of the things that you're dealing with in your life, that Jesus gives you the power to overcome those things. And so today we're going to talk about one last thing, and it's kind of, I, as I was wrestling with this one, I was just kind of thinking about it and thinking, this is kind of more of a personal one uh, for all of us, and just, I just want to talk to you kind of down-to-earth type talking with this one, and it's this one, sell everything. Now again, uh, we could read through the Gospels and see a lot of other things that Jesus said, we could say, wow, those are shocking too. We could spend a lot of time doing that, uh, but, but uh, we just listed a few here, and the last one we're ending, ending with is sell everything. Now, when we talk about sell everything, I want to I draw our attention to a passage of Scripture found in Mark chapter 10, and if you would turn there with me, um, I want to share this, uh, this particular story that happened. Mark records this event that took place as he was there, and um, and, and essentially, it, 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 it uh, really gives us this, essentially tells us what to do. Uh, take a look at it as he is approached by this guy often named the rich young man, the rich young ruler. Um, if you've been in church for a while, if you've been here at Element, we've, you've heard teachings on this many times. But listen to the words of Jesus uh, as Mark records them. Um, as Jesus started on his way, there in verse 17 of Mark chapter 10, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and, and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good enough. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. 
do not disregard or defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, how hard it is, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed of the words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is, is it, or how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle uh, than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to one another, who, or said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible. But not with God. All things are possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. In the present age. Um, and then parenthetically it says, Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life, but many who are first will be last, and the last first. Now, when I read this passage of Scripture, one of the, you know, one of the, uh, just real quick, one of the things that caught my eye this week that I never, ever read, it never grabbed my attention for some reason, uh, in verse, what is that, 21, it said, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Something else that someone pointed out too was during this whole exchange, this conversation, which I think this is one of the, one of the probably the, for me, uh, a very sad story, a very sad story where the guy just walks away because he knew that he couldn't do it. But um, we noticed Jesus' response. Jesus didn't run after him, did he? Jesus didn't run. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't love him because it says, you know, that he loved him. But Jesus didn't run after him and say, oh, okay, hang on a second. Let me, let me, let me weaken this a little bit. Let me, let me bring it down just a little bit more because I don't want you to run away, you know. But, but, but it's, it's very interesting what took place here. And as we read this, um, the other thing uh, that I want to share with you is this. If this sounds somewhat familiar, which it should, uh, for those of you that have been attending for a while, in April we talked about, we, was, we were in a series called Radical Faith. And in that series we were taking it somewhat from a book called Radical from David Platt, or written by David Platt. And as I was sharing with you then, and I want to share with you again today, is this. When we start talking about you know, radically living, which uh, Francis Chan says, when we start living for God, it's really not radical, it's the norm, right? That's what God calls us to. It's radical in comparison to our society and how we're influenced, but in essence, it's not radical at all. It's the norm. But anyhow, Platt talks, as we, as we read that, the first chapter, I remember reading it with the staff, one of the things that came up was the question, does Jesus really want me to sell everything? If we would look in Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 35, Jesus uh, is having this same type of discussion with some followers. He turns and he says, look, if you want to follow me, basically you've got to hate your family and all that other stuff and sell everything, give it all away. And so as we read that, you know, that's the first question. I don't know why. I don't know why, but it seems like that is the question that we all ask first, right? When we start talking about this stuff and we was reading, you know, if we were read the radical book together, the first thing a lot of people ask is this, is Jesus literally caught telling me to sell everything I have and leave? In which, they, in which Platt would say this, if you're really struggling with that question, then yes, he probably is. 
But is he literally telling every single person in this room that you need to take every part of your possessions, like the rich young ruler? Because I don't think it's necessarily talking about just wealth here. I think there's some other applications we can draw from this. I think what he was doing is, as he looked at this rich young ruler, as, the, as this guy came, this, this young man, as he came that, that was, had a lot of wealth, first of all, if you notice the question that he asked Jesus is this, what must, what must I do? To what? Inherit eternal life. What must I do? What must I do? That th- that's questions off already, is it not? There's nothing that we can do to inherit eternal life. This guy's already kind of coming at it from a different, you know, from a kind of a false perspective. You know, what must I do when Jesus, you know, eventually replies and he says this, uh, with you it's impossible, with, with God all things are possible. And so the, the, the question is kind of off to begin with, what must I do? But this is how we approach our spirituality a lot. This is how many of, there may be some of you sitting here this morning, this is your struggle. It's you approaching your spirituality from the aspect of what must I do? What is it that I need to do to earn favor with God? What is it that I need to do to earn eternal life? What is it that I need to do? And guys, if you're on that path, you're on a bad path. Because there's nothing that you can do to receive eternal life besides place your faith and trust in the Christ, the, the, what he's already done on the cross, the work of the cross. It's this free gift of grace and salvation that Jesus is saying, you want to be a part of my kingdom, this is what, it, this is what it's about. You can, you can be a part of it. And so, but here we are in this particular context where we have, what must I do? And Jesus says, well, this, you know, here's some things. Don't murder, don't, don't, uh, don't commit adultery, don't defraud, you know, honor your father and mother, some of these other things. And I could just see, if I was in this guy's shoes, I could just sense kind of a puffiness up thinking, oh, yes, that's what I wanted to hear because I've kept those things since I've been a child. And Jesus says, one thing you lack. And that's the million dollar, that's the, that's the, that's the anvil dropping, isn't it? The, the proverbial boot dropping. There is one thing that you do lack. The wealth that you have, go sell it and give it to the poor. Now, again, we talk about wealth, but here's what I think we're talking about, guys, and this is where I want to draw it from. Maybe you're not rich this morning. Maybe it's not money that, that Jesus would look into your life and say one thing you lack. Maybe that's not it. Maybe it's something else where God is coming into your life and saying, the one thing you, he's looking into your life and saying, the one thing you lack. And basically what he's saying is this, the one thing that's keeping you from selling out and following me completely and implicitly is this, and fill in the blank. And today that's what I want to talk to you guys about. But as I said, this is kind of a personal thing. It's going to be personal because I don't know the one thing that you may lack. I don't know the one thing that if you would be very vulnerable and transparent with Jesus Christ this morning and you opened your heart to God and say, God, what is that one thing? What is the thing that I lack that's keeping me from completely selling out and radically abandoning and following you with everything that I have? What is that one thing? Many of us sitting in here this morning, this is sad. Just like this story is sad in the New Testament with, the rich, with, the, with this guy who had a lot of wealth, What's really sad is there are people in here this morning that probably has the same approach as this rich young man. We will never, ever put ourselves in a position of vulnerability or transparency with the Holy Spirit before Jesus Christ to say, what is it that I lack? Because we know that Jesus is going to answer that question, is he not? And for some of us, we will avoid that prayer like the plague. And guys, 
Some of us are blinded by the enemy. Some of you are sitting here this morning. There's a veil over your eyes. There's a darkness because you think everything's great. Everything's going accordingly. When Jesus, if truth be known, Jesus is saying there is something that you lack. There is something that is keeping you from completely and implicitly following me, selling out, radically abandoning, and becoming the person that I've created you to be. That one thing. What is that one thing that you lack? Again, it may not be wealth. It could be something else. I think Paul, when, you know, uh, one of the passages I read where Paul is talking about, he's defending his apostleship. And he's saying, you know what? You want to look at my, you know, my pedigree. You want to look at uh, my accomplishments. Well, let me share with you my accomplishments. And in Philippians 3, verses 5 through 11, I think this is what Paul's doing. I think Paul is, is having that moment where he's looking back and he's saying, this is who I was, and this is the stock, this is the great stock in faith that I put in myself back here but then something changed. And in Philippians 3, verses 5-11, through 11, he says this, I was circumcised when I was eight, year, eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as far as righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. And then listen to what he says. I once thought these things were value, valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done for me. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ. Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else. Everything else I have discarded, counting it all as garbage. Let me tell you something. That word garbage is a pathetic English translation. Because what he's really saying there in the, in the real translation is, everything else is dung. And I know that sounds offensive, but I think we need to hear that for the intensity of what he was truly saying. Everything else that I have built my life upon before knowing Jesus Christ is absolute garbage. It's dung. It's worth being thrown out. My whole identity was built on this. This is who I was. This was my identity. This is where I found myself. And then Jesus radically got a hold of my life and he says, because of that, I consider all of that worthless for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ, for the sake of knowing his infinite, compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ, Jesus as my Lord. I think here's a guy that was kind of in that same situation where Jesus came in and, and he was, he was, Paul had this uh, divine intervention slash divine paradigm shift or whatever you want to call it, where he was radically changed and the scales literally at one point fell off his eyes, but he was able to literally see within his life that all of this was absolutely worthless. I wonder how many of us sitting in here this morning would be vulnerable enough to say, God... What is it that is keeping me from truly following you? God, I, I, truth be known, God, my identity is wrapped up in this. And this is why, guys, this is why I'm so excited about where we're going with the me I want to be. Because if you allow yourself to engage in this series coming up, the Holy Spirit is going to radically grab a hold of you. Because there's so many of us that we have placed our identity in things that is wrong, things that, that doesn't produce what we think it's going to produce, 
And consequently, we're held in bondage. And some of us don't even know it. And I, like I said, I just wonder how many of us in here this morning could be truthful and honest before Jesus Christ today and say, God, what am I lacking? What am I lacking? What is taking my focus? What keeps me from following you completely? You know, and when I started asking this question, I, I was really, you know, this is, a, this is one of these element, kind of an elementary question, but extremely hard to put into practice. I was talking with CJ earlier this week, and I was talking with my wife. And, and some, for some people, it's easy to say, you know what, I'd sell my house. I would sell everything I have to follow Jesus, you know. Uh, you know. But yet, there's other things within our lives where we'd say, man, I hope God doesn't say, I want you to give this up. You know what I'm saying? There's things that we get caught up in our lives. They may be good things. They may be very good things. Things that we want to do. I know as, as, as being called to the ministry, I've heard and, and I've, I've dealt with it before myself, where it's, you get so locked in where you think, well, the only way I can serve in the ministry, the way I believe God's calling me is to pastor a church. And there's sometimes where that's not what God wants you to do. But yet He's asking you to be completely faithful and follow Him. And so sometimes you have to give up some of the things that you think are the direction, the direction that he's taking you. But that's hard. Because that requires vulnerability and it requires transparency. And so this morning I want to ask you, are you willing to take the next step today? As we sum up this whole series, I mean, you know, this whole series of, of um, the shocking statements of Jesus, guys, essentially what it is, Jesus is saying... These are, this is what people are going to look like that are part of my kingdom. It's, kind of, it's the Beatitudes. It's, it's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is saying, these characteristics are going to be the characteristics that clothe the people that say that they are Christ followers. They are going to be loving to their enemies. They're going to pray for them. They're going to take sin very seriously. They're going to gouge out sin. They're going to gouge out anything that's going to, that, would become, that would come between me and, and, and them. And they're going to gouge out their lives because they don't want to risk fellowship, the, the loss of fellowship with me whatsoever. They're going to be sharing what I have done in their life because their lives have been radically shifted and radically changed. Guys, let me tell you something. This, this is what I hope we become as a church. I hope we become full of people that say, I take this very seriously. I will build my life upon this. Not in aspirational values, but in actual values. I will live this out to the best of my abilities with the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of me. I want this to consume my life. I pray the element becomes full of people like that because we're going to be a church then that is actually able to accomplish its vision and mission, which says this, we are going to restore the broken one life at a time. And we're going to do that by helping people to discover the life, discover and develop in the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. But it starts with me, and it starts with you. Am I willing to go there? Are you willing to go there? Are you willing right now, as we sing this last song, are you willing to literally allow yourself, open up your heart to say, God, what am I lacking is there an area in my life, is there something in my life that I'm giving a lot of focus on, I'm giving a lot of attention to, but really, truth be known, you're saying that that is something that you want to kind of squeeze out. That that's not what you have for me. What am I lacking? 
Would you guys be willing to do that within your life? And ultimately, make this, this, this commitment to God to God, my life is yours. My life is yours. I know that sounds like a trite statement in church, doesn't it? That's what we say all the time. But essentially, that's what it is. I'm not living my life. God is living my life through me. That whole concept of surrender. You making that commitment today. And we, as a group, making that commitment to Element Church, saying we're going to be the church that God has for this community and communities. The light into the world. The healing for the broken. That's who we want to be, and that's who we're going to become. I pray that you would make that your prayer as we sing this last song, as we kind of take this song and encapsulate this whole series, the Shockey Statement of Jesus, by simply saying, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you with all that I have. Make it a prayer of your life. If you would like to come forward and pray, please, please feel free to do that. We would love to pray with you. But open yourselves, open your heart to the power of the Holy Spirit right now as we, as we close with this song.